So it's uh, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. It's Monday. And you survived the weekend. Isn't that all right? <laughs> you made it, man. You survived the weekend. Stefan Maier with you at the Early Bird Podcast Sessions over here at the Edit Soul Studio. And um, I'm going to share a sermon with you that I preached uh, yesterday. And uh, I'm going to take a look at that. Pride versus humility. Pride versus humility that's what's going on that's what we're talking about and uh i hope you pay attention i'm gonna be in luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14 or perhaps even 17 we'll see what time has to say and we certainly appreciate your kind attention bit of housekeeping stuff as always please be sure to subscribe to follow to like to share to comment all that kind of stuff that takes place with the interactive ordeals of social media platforms in which we produce this content hoping praying it'll reach far and wide souls just like you and i who humbly want to go to the scriptures and um, be pleasing to god be pleasing to god that good Pride versus humility is the sermon. The itinerary for the week, if you're new to this podcast, is as follows. On Mondays, I share the sermon I preached on Sunday. On Tuesdays, we analyze the lyric. We take a song from the secular world and we look at the lyrics and have a discussion about that. On Wednesdays, we have a Bible study and we've been going through the book of Genesis currently. On Thursday, we have ourselves a topical trip discussions on specific topics is the idea there on Thursdays. And on Fridays, well, we kind of talk about socio-political affairs, current events, and stuff like that. Of course, everything through the Christian perspective, the Christian worldview. So again, if you think that is something you would, or that would benefit your life, uh, tap in, tune in, subscribe, follow. If you are a Christian and you see the worth of these things, please consider supporting. We have to reach our financial goal each month. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But you can certainly partake with the gospel efforts through the Maya family, the Added Souls Ministry, if you sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to sign up, but you can choose therein if you're willing and able to support monthly. And uh, it is greatly appreciated. And of course, you will be made aware of updates and reports. We can have personal communication, video chats, phone calls, emails, that kind of stuff. And uh, you will have the content there that uh, the Added Souls Ministry creates on a daily level. So please consider going to addedsouls.locals.com and becoming a supporter there. You can also send a contribution or a donation through PayPal, addedsouls at gmail.com. You can contact me through that email if you seek a hard address. We'll have a bit of a conversation and I'll send you the address. The pride or the pride, yeah. Pride versus humility. The Bible has much to say about pride, doesn't it? It has much to say about humility, the motive and heart of the individual. Two kinds of Christians. Two kinds of Christians. You have the Christians who are humble and you have the Christians who are prideful. Prideful is a tool of the world. And sadly, it infiltrates the minds of the Christians in the church. It contaminates them. Some of them high-handedly so, some of them taken unawares, and uh, all kinds of uh, 
discussions along those lines. But pride is not a good thing at all. Pride is sinful, and one cannot enter uh, the heavenly realm, eternity, in, in peace, if one is high-handedly participating in pride. In pride. The Bible, of course, repeatedly, numerous locations, speaks about pride. Wisdom, literature, doctrine, you name it, it's there. In the Proverbs, right, itself, Proverbs 11.2, quote, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. To be humble is to learn. Because being humble, recipients, we gain wisdom. And wisdom, sadly, most times comes through pain, persecution, very discouraging moments, heart-wrenching, heartbreaking moments. We learn when we are humble. But the prideful, they don't learn anything because they think themselves to know it all already. Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. You see, for those who are humble, we, we find wisdom. For those who are humble, we obtain honor. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The prideful are set for destruction. It's all they do. It's their resume. It's their MO. They uh, leave a trail of discouragement, dismantle, depletion, and division. And ultimately, that is destruction. And they will fall. They always fall. Some might have their moments on this earth, but they will fall come judgment day. Come judgment day. Many other verses, many other proverbs. I could go on and on quoting regarding pride and humility and the great difference between the two. A great chasm between the two. With the prideful comes consequence. With the humble comes blessings, wisdom, honor. And so that, of course, took me to looking deeper into the meaning of the words itself, if you will, on what is haughty and what is prideful, things of that nature. Of course, to be prideful, to be haughty, is one who is high and lofty of himself, herself, right? One who um, thinks too highly of himself or herself, if you will. Uh, even to the Greek, to the Hebrew, the Hebrew would say arrogance, arrogancy, right? Pomped, pride, proud, swelling. Um, a hot air balloon is a hot air balloon. You know, take out the needle, pop the balloon, and off it goes. Uh, swelling, arrogancy, all these things among the pride, among the proud, those who are puffed up. We had an individual puffed up in Daniel chapter 4, didn't we? King Nebuchadnezzar, kings, queens, prime ministers, presidents, preachers, elders. Sadly, many, if not most, are contaminated with pride, haughtiness, puffed up, thinking too highly of themselves.
King Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Oh, yeah, I don't think so, bub. Yeah, many have that attitude. Many have that behavioral delinquency. Their hearts are not right. Their hearts, their hearts are not right. Well, this Nebuchadnezzar exalted himself, but he was made lowly, wasn't he? Jesus said something about that. Those who exalt themselves, those who are humble will be exalted, right? The puffed up, the proud, they will be brought down. But those who are humble, those of us who are faithful and simply seek to follow our Lord and Master with all humility, He will exalt us. He will give us responsibility. He will give us much. A lot of places in the Bible, you can go everywhere regarding this very thing. Jesus had to deal with this attitude with the Pharisees, obviously. The Pharisees. And this is the account that we're going to bring up here on the screen. There we go. Found in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 17. Of two individuals. Two completely different individuals. <clears throat> and if you will, in practical principle for you and I today, two Christians in the church. Two kinds of Christians in the church. Two kind of individuals you can find in the local assembly. And so Jesus told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves. Verse 9, chapter 18, the Gospel of Luke. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Viewed others with contempt. Um, that's important. That's important information because it details the descriptive nature and heart of this individual. He's not trusting in God, though he will say so from his mouth, his lips. Inwardly, <clears throat> he trusts in himself because he's an educated individual. He knows the law very well. He knows the Bible. He, knew, he knows the Greek, the Aramaic, the Hebrew. He knows the Bible very, very well. He knows the grammar. He knows the context. He's known it for a while. He is an intelligent individual. Very persuasive. Very charming to listen to. He'll tell you he trusts in God and God alone. But his behavioral delinquencies just... They expose himself. And he trusts in himself more so than anything else. He trusts in himself and he views others who are humble with contempt. See, that's the contrast there. The prideful trusted in themselves what they were that they were righteous. But the humble viewed uh, but sorry, and they and these Prideful individuals viewed others with contempt. This is the descriptive nature of these individuals. They think highly of themselves. These scholarly minds, and there's nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, I encourage individual Christians to educate themselves in the scriptures daily, to become very intelligent in the scriptures. 
but some take that to a contaminated level, a measurement of abuse and to toxic uh, oppression. So Jesus told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. And then he begins, two men went up into the temple to pray, right? Two Christians go to church. One Christian has the heart of a Pharisee, and the other Christian has the heart, well, of humility. He understands his great need for God. The other, of course, very different. The Pharisee, and the Pharisee to be understood, quite frankly, is an arrogant, ego-driven, self-righteous bully. He's a hypocrite. He trusts in himself, and he views others with contempt. These kinds, they coerce themselves into preeminence, and they speak of God to facilitate their selfish ambitions. They are filled with envy and strife, Paul would say to his brethren in Philippi chapter 1. These kinds will demonize and slander any righteous opposition. These individuals will take advantage of friendships. They have no empathy, though they will produce a masquerade, a facade, an act of unrighteous endeavor and agenda. And what is so dangerous, again, with these kinds is that they know the law very well. They know the law very well. And of course, they've mastered the craft of sprinkling truth on their lies and can persuade many minds to follow their manipulation. It's quite a phenomenon to see. It's, it's almost surreal. And it's very difficult to discern, which is why most Christians can't discern it, and they will follow the wolf in sheep's clothing. These kinds, they discourage, they dismantle, they deplete, and they divide families and congregations, all the while blaming the faithful for it. These were a problem when Jesus walked the earth, and they are still problems today in the church. Jesus did not sit down and reason with these kinds. They're unreasonable brutes. This was not a mere disagreement be between Jesus and these individuals. It wasn't a matter of opinion where they could just all sit down and get along and sing kumbaya around the fire. These individuals were wicked, evil, treacherous betrayers. Very evil individuals. You don't reason with these individuals. You don't sit down with them. You don't give them a microphone or a platform. That's what they seek. They want that because they can manipulate and control everything to their selfish ambitions. No, Jesus didn't play that game with them. He just told them what was up. Woe to you, Pharisees, you hypocrites. Well, back to the text here. As we remain within the confines of what's taking place and the principles therein, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. My wife pointed out a very good perspective to the text. Notice how it says the Pharisee stood. So his posture is one, of course, of swelling. He thinks highly of himself. He's puffed up. 
He'll bully him his way to the pulpit there. Thinks he deserves it. You better sit down at his feet and swallow all he has to say. He'll devour you. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to who? Himself. To himself. <laughs> the location of his prayer was not towards God. It was not to God. It was to himself. But yet he utilizes the word God, doesn't he? And these treacherous wolves, they'll do that. They'll do that, which is why most Christians can't discern it. Paul spoke of that very thing in Philippians chapter 1. Why do you think he mentioned so strongly the word discernment and then goes on to speak of these who would proclaim Christ for selfish ambitions out of envy and strife? These are the pharisaical, egotistical endeavors of these very wicked-hearted people. The Pharisees stood and was praying this to himself, not to God. And he says to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. He thinks himself to be God. I've spoken to one of these. I've asked him a question. I said, is there anything in the Bible that you've yet to learn? Is there anything in your character that you've yet to grow into? Is there... Do you... No, no, not at all. Pretty much I know everything. <laughs> it's amazing how puffed up and arrogant these individuals are. So he says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Remember, he's praying this to himself, not praying to God. He's praying to himself. And he says, you know, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here. He even sees the individual that's a, that's a far off there. I'm glad I'm perfect. Not like these here individuals. You see, this Pharisee's got a log sticking out of his forehead, right? And as he's swinging around, his log is hitting folks. And it's hitting folks and it's causing splinters, specks in others' eyes. Well, the specks got there through the Pharisaical log sticking out of his forehead. Oh, he's an unrighteous judge. He doesn't judge with the measurement and standard and boundaries of the scriptures. He judges according to his own puffed up, prideful arrogance. He prays to himself and says, God, I thank you. Oh, really? Is he thanking God? He's thanking himself. He thinks himself God. He really does. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Oh, thinks himself so educated. You know, like swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. They're not fourth, fifth generation in the church. They weren't born and raised there. My daddy, daddy's daddy was an elder. Yeah, whoop-de-doo. If you're this prideful individual, it don't matter at all what you say. Don't matter at all. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So he's swinging his log all around, creating splinters in others. He says, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes 
all of all that I get. Oh, I'm lawful. I know the Bible. I know the law. I practice the law. There's nothing sinful about that either. That's, that's the deception. That's the manipulation. There's, there's nothing wrong with following the law. God wrote the law for our guidance, our instruction. He commands us to follow his law for a reason. The law of our Lord and Master for you and I today, Jesus Christ, we live in the age of the Messianic dispensation. We are under the New Testament law, the law of Jesus Christ. It's a law. We need to follow the law. Therein we understand grace and mercy and peace and unity and family and all these blessings that Christ allows us within the confines of his legal citizenry, members of his kingdom, his body, his church. Well, there's nothing wrong about keeping the law, but it's the motive of this individual's heart. He's puffed up. He's boastful. He's arrogant. He's looking down at others because they have specks in their eyes. He'll create those specks, those splinters. He's just waving around his log sticking out of his forehead, isn't he? Two kinds of Christians in the church, two kinds of preachers, two kinds of elders. We're looking at the first one here. This first one here, well, he trusts in himself. And he views others with contempt. Who does he see in contempt? Those who are faithful, those who are humble. Those who are truly pleasing to God. Those who know they need mercy. Those who are broken and know they need forgiveness. This here individual, this Pharisee, he don't need forgiveness. Not at all. He's a know-it-all. He's perfect. He's an egotistical maniac. He's a bully. He's a manipulator. He's a Pharisee. But you see, the tax collector, the publican, right? He's a sinner. He's in sin. He's broken by it. He knows what's going on. And let me ask, let me give you this perspective. We're seeing in this parable the Pharisee and the publican. Think of it this way the Jew, and the Gentile. The Jews couldn't stand the Gentiles. They're dirty dogs, heathens, pagans, sinful. We're perfect. We're of the lineage of Abraham. We're religious leaders. We receive the praise of men. Why do you think we do what we do? We love our preeminence, the chief seats, to be seen as scholarly, to be trusted by people. Well, quite the contrast in measurement here when we look at the tax collector standing some distance away. So here's this individual. He's standing some distance away, quite different than the Pharisee who stood upright with his lofty-minded ways, his arrogance. And there's nothing wrong with being upright, morally so. He's not it. That's, that, that ain't what's going on over here. Quite a difference in posture. This sinner here, he's standing some distance away. He, wasn't, he was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. Have you ever been broken by sin? Have you ever found yourself like the commonly known prodigal son that we spoke about a few Sundays ago or last Sunday. Among the swine, impoverished, starving, 
broken, defeated, lost. Came to his senses at that moment, didn't he? I need to go back to my father. Even if I'm just a helping hand, even if I work, at least I'll have bread with my father. This individual, he's a foreigner. He's a Gentile. He wants to return to God. Again, in practical principle for us today, in practice, you and I, two different Christians in the church, the Pharisee, right, the prideful, and the humble, those who practice humility. This here man is practicing humility, standing some distance away. He can't even come close to it. Was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy but was beating his breast. Great pain and sorrow, knowing his guilt, seeking, seeking forgiveness. He was saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He's not praying to himself. He's humble and broken. He's speaking to God. He is bowed, in reverence. He needs forgiveness. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, this sinner seeking mercy, this individual practicing humility went to his house justified rather than that Pharisee over there. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted. See that? That's important information. The Pharisee, again, he'll manipulate, he'll deceive, he'll take advantage, he'll bully him way, his way to the pulpit. He'll exalt himself. He'll take decades of hard work, fateful work, and he'll claim it as his own. He'll cause chaos, and blame the faithful. He's, he'll, call, he'll cause division, blame the faithful. He's puffed up with pride. He's blind. And you can't teach him anything. He knows everything. He's above rebuke. He won't take it. He has to keep convincing himself that his conscience is clear, that he's right and everyone's wrong. He's a sad little individual, but yet he, he stands up as if he has strength and he prays to himself. We're not fooled. We can tell by his prayers. We've been hearing his prayers, haven't we? His prayers are void. They're vain. God doesn't hear those. <clears throat> God hears the faithful of us who need his forgiveness, need his guidance. Many of us were prey to these pharisaical individuals, right? Many were following, many were loyalists to the Pharisees. More so than to Jesus. They wouldn't go to the Bible for the law, they'd go to the Pharisees to understand the law. The Pharisees became the gatekeepers. Remember what Jesus says, woe to them. They hold the key, they keep the key away from the people, 
That's what these pharisaical individuals do. They'll have you thinking you can't understand the Bible for yourself. You need to go to them to understand it. And we fall prey to that persuasive teaching because they're very good with the law. They're very good with the law. They'll have you manipulated and under their control for years. And then one day we awaken. A traumatic moment takes place. An ambush of sorts takes place. And we awaken to the truth. And we fall down on our knees and beg God for forgiveness. Because we had put our hope and trust in a Pharisee, in a Diotrephes, and not in the Holy Scriptures, not in Jesus Christ. Pharisees live life as a dictatorship. They are tyrants. They will look at all the splinters, the specks in the eyes of others. They've created by the log sticking out of their forehead. If you don't fall in line, they will push you out of the church. They will create a law, bind that law, and find you guilty. When they can't find fault in you, they'll create fault. They'll call you a liar. They'll call you a thief. They'll call you all the things that they are indeed guilty of. It's sad, but it's the truth. And so Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified. Which one? Well, the, the one seeking mercy, the humble-hearted man, the humble-hearted woman. And Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. What happened to King Nebuchadnezzar when he stood up there on top and puffed up and thinking he was the one that did everything? What happened to him? He was humbled, wasn't he? Some are so hardened of heart, they'll never be humbled. They'll never be humbled. They'll just go on to another location and cause more problems. That's what they do. It's their resume. They discourage. They dismantle. They deplete. They divide. It's what they do. All the while they do that, all the while they do that, they manipulate the minds of the individuals to think that the problem belongs to some <laughs> who are faithful. They're never guilty. They're never at fault. I've never heard these individuals at any time, at any time, take responsibility for their behavioral delinquencies. Never, ever. They're perfect. They're know-it-alls. They're never wrong. And they convince themselves of it, too. They'll tell themselves, my conscience is clear, I'm right, you're wrong. I know the Bible, I know the Bible, I know the Bible. What a sad day for them. They will gnash their teeth. They will gnash their, th their teeth. Jesus continues. Well, verse 15 first. And they were bringing even their babies to Jesus, so that Jesus would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. Like, what are you doing bringing your babies to Jesus? You know, leave him alone. He's busy, right? But Jesus called them saying, permit the children to come to me. Why? And do not hinder them. Well, why? For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
Now, why would that be there after the parable of two men? A prideful one and a humble one. Because the heart of a child is innocent. And the individual who was seeking mercy was beating his chest, who was bowed, who wouldn't even get close, wouldn't even look up. He was shamed. He was devastated. He was broken. He was seeking alleviation from his sins. He was seeking forgiveness. He was desperate. He was humble. Children are humble. They're innocent. Oh, they can do all kinds of mischievous things. And if they got good parenting, well, we instruct them, we guide them, we keep them in line with love. Permit the children to come to me. Don't hinder them. Allow them to come to me and don't stop them from coming to me. Don't do it. Don't put anything in their way. You see, a Pharisee is a stumbling block. He's a stumbling He'll provoke you into all kinds of sinful things. He'll tempt you. The Pharisee is an accuser. He's a tempter. He's a stumbling block. He'll be a stumbling block to the, those who seek mercy. Those of us who are faithful and humble. Pharisees will be stumbling blocks for us. Pharisees going to stop to going to try to hinder us from going to Jesus. Jesus says, "Don't do that." For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, verse 17, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. That's the difference between the prideful and the humble. That's the difference between the prideful and the humble. Many religious leaders today are contaminated by pharisaical symptoms, again, such as arrogant, ego-driven, self-righteous bullies. They're hypocrites. They trust in themselves and view others with contempt. They masquerade very well. You wouldn't know it if you're friends with them on Facebook. Or perhaps you'd see some signs some red flags, some behavioral delinquencies, some instances where the individual openly produces his pride. They hide it very well. They coerce themselves into preeminence, and they speak of God to facilitate their selfish ambitions. They're filled with envy and strife. They will demonize and slander any righteous opposition. And again, what's so dangerous with these kinds is that they know the law very well. They've mastered the craft of sprinkling truth in their lives and can persuade many minds to follow their manipulation. They discourage, dismantle, deplete, and divide families, congregations, all the while blaming the faithful for it. These were a problem when Jesus walked the earth, and they are still problems today in the church. Jesus didn't sit down and reason with these kinds. This was not a mere disagreement. These were evil, wicked, treacherous-hearted people, wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus spoke a great deal against these individuals throughout the Gospels. So did his apostles. So what do we do, you and I, today? What do we do as faithful Christians? What if we are victims of these individuals? What do we do? Where do we go? Well, we go to the Bible. We gain strength, courage, we heal. We begin to think for ourselves again. No longer under the control 
of these pharisaical individuals, contaminated with diatrophic endeavors. We get strong. God will bless us. God will bless us. We keep working for the kingdom. We heal together as a family. We grow stronger and united together as a family. We evangelize. We practice benevolence. We teach and preach. And most importantly, with all of that, we remain humble. We remain humble. There's a great many ilks. A great many ilks that I have sadly witnessed while stateside that are puffed up and prideful. It's sad to see. It's sad to see. And it's attractive. It's attractive. It's charming. These individuals seem to know the Bible so very well. So very well. They're educated individuals. And they're so puffed up with pride they'll let you know about it too. <laughs> I'm smart, you're stupid. You sit down and listen to what I say. Well, the Pharisee. Pharisee would have said the same thing. Very tempting, very charming to be controlled by these individuals. Ah, they speak of God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Far from Him. It's hard to believe anything they say, really. Once you awaken to the truth, you lose the charm of their teaching ways start to realize that everything they've ever said could very well be a lie. Sprinkled with truth, very manipulative, very manipulative. They embellish. They do all these things. We heal. We withdraw from these individuals. We leave them to their demise, which will come. It might not be on this earth. It might not be on this earth, but it will be at judgment. It will be at judgment. That is an objective, absolute truth. So we have hope. We create goals. We have purpose in Christ. There is a tomorrow. There is a tomorrow. And if there isn't, and we must depart this hour, then so be it. May we be embraced by our Lord and Master in paradise. We remain humble. We confess our sins, and we move forward. God's providential winds will reveal the path. There are tragic, heartbreaking moments we go through in life that we will never forget. We will never forget while we are on earth, on earth, but we don't need to allow it to destroy us. That's what the devil's influence wants us to do, to give up. To not persevere, but to give up. To remain controlled by th their fear. No, we're not going to do that. Not at all. There is always hope, but hope must be in Christ. And Christ was very simple with his gospel. And all who are humble will understand the gospel. All who are humble will understand the gospel. They will understand the gospel plan of salvation. 
They won't be prideful. A proud individual won't see the truth. He thinks he already has it. To be humble and look at the instructions of our Lord and Master is simple. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, he's the Son of God. Are you willing to repent of your sins? Yes. Most certainly, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Well, you qualify. You qualify to become a legal citizen of his kingdom. He said if you are immersed, if you are immersed calling on his name, you will be born again, out of water and the Spirit. You'll be added to his church. It's really that simple. A proud person might not see that, but a very humble person will. A very humble person will just simply follow the instructions of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more, by all means, please continue to follow the Added Souls Ministry. This is Stefan Maillet for the Early Bird Podcast Sessions from Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. I certainly appreciate your kind attention to the information being delivered. And uh, we do hopefully pray that uh, you'll stick with it, right? That you'll stick with it and see the value. Um, stay focused, stay positive. Please consider supporting this work so that it can keep going, right? Keep moving forward. You can do so by signing up at addedsouls.locals.com. You can donate through addedsouls at gmail.com. And if you need a, an address, reach out to me in the email, and I'll send you an address. We go live from Monday to Friday, and uh, we do hope and pray to find you there as well. Good stuff. Lord willing, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Peace out.